Hello and welcome to Masterpiece Audio Theatre. I am your host, Sir Hector Stewart, and joining us on the panel today, we have Tom Later. Well, howdy! Bob McGruff. Oi, let's get on with us! In due time, Bob. We also have our resident security expert, Jeffrey Ventura. Standing by, sir. All exits are covered. Unnecessary, but thank you for that, Jeffrey. Menchik Majenovic is also joining us. Thank you, Sir Hector. I am glad to be here. This day should be interesting. Yes, uh, we are happy to have you as well. Uh, my brother, Hieronimo. Oh, sure. <laughs> you say everyone else's last name, but not mine? Kirk. Seriously, they already know it. Oh, sure. <laughs> Everybody knows my famous big brother. <laughs> you don't have to rub my face in it. <laughs> I demand to be treated with the same respect as the rest of this riffraff. <laughs> riffraff, mon dieu. I am no riffraff. Perhaps this could be said of God for a shake or this venture in person. But to say this a Pierre, I am outrageous. I am your science. I don't think that's how you say it. Gentlemen, please. I haven't even finished introducing you yet. Now, hmm. you've just met Pierre the Shrimp and Smee. Say hello, gentlemen. Bonjour. Honor to report for duty, Captain. Thank you, I think. And finally, the man running the board, Mr. J. Langjans. Thanks, Sir Hector. Glad to be included since I pay for the books. Yes, uh, need you keep reminding me? Well, that credits bucket doesn't get filled any other way. Yes, yes. <laughs> moving on, moving on. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, now that we have that out of our way, we can get on with the show. For this month of December, we have decided to go back to our roots, return to our humble beginnings, as it were. There are many reasons for this, but first and foremost, the completed listening pile has been building up, and it's about time we passed our collective judgment on them. As some of you may be familiar with our show, please bear with us as I explain. Our cast of nine critics have all listened to the selected books, and we have formed our opinions on the books and their narration. Each will be given a score out of ten by our panelists. Then I will average the scores for the audiobook. We hope, based on our recommendations, that we can help you navigate the millions and millions of available titles out there. All of our books have been purchased and downloaded from Audible.com, and we apologize in advance that due to the fact that all of them have one sole purchaser, our range is limited. Hey, I've got a wide listening range. I like lots of different stuff. A bit tame, perhaps. You should have more books with mob bosses and other stories with zombies. Even better, one with zombie gangsters. Bah! I would have settled for just one book about golf, but this is all wasting my time. Hey, I don't have time to cater to all of your personal tastes. Gentlemen, there is to be no fighting in the booth. Call it rule number one. <laughs> Should be called rule number no fun. <laughs> what was that? Never mind. No one listens to my opinion anyway. <laughs> right. That will be our show. In a nutshell. Hey, who are you calling a nut? <laughs> <sighs> I was not referring to you, Horonimo. 
Let's jump into it then, shall we? The first audiobook we will be reviewing is called Fantastic Land. It was written by Mike Brockoven, narrated by Angela Dore and Luke Daniels, and published by Brilliance Publishing, Inc. This audiobook was ten hours and one minute in length. Tom, would you be so kind as to start us off by reading the publisher's summary? It would be my pleasure, Sir Hector. Since the 1970s, Fantastic Land has been the theme park where fun is guaranteed. But when a hurricane ravages the Florida coast and isolates the park, the employees find it anything but fun. Five weeks later, the authorities who rescue the survivors encounter a scene of horror. Photos soon emerge online of heads-on spikes outside of the rides and viscera and human bones littering the gift shops. Breaking record hits views, likes, clicks, and shares. How could a group of survivors, mostly teenagers, commit such terrible acts? Presented as a fact-finding investigation and a series of first-person interviews, Fantastic Land pieces together the grisly series of events. Park policy was that mostly college-age employees surrender their electronic devices to preserve their authenticity of Fantastic Land experience. Cut off from the world and left on their own, the teenagers soon form rival tribes who viciously compete for food, medicine, social dominance, and even human flesh. This new New social network divides the ravaged dreamland into territories ruled by the pirates, the shop girls, the freaks, and the mole people. If meticulously curated online personas can replace private identities, what takes over when those constructs are lost? Fantastic Land is a modern take on Lord of the Flies meets Battle Royale that proves the consequences of social civilization built online. Thank you for that, Tom. I should add that the narrators each take on the task of many characters in the book. This is very important to the book, I feel. Hans and narrator, c'est très bon. I must say I am quite enjoy the voice of this Luke Spaniel. You mean Luke Daniels? Oui, that guy. He was very good. And his range, très impressive. Considering that uh, his name... Luke? Oui, Luke. He did not have a variety of accents to rely on. Uh, the woman... The wo- Angela Dore? Oui, her. She was very good as well. But I feel like there should have been more variety in her inflections. Some of them were way too small. Are you joking? They were both shite! I felt like every chapter I had to take a deep breath and pretend I couldn't remember the last character! The only smart thing this rubbish writer did was alternate perspectives between lads and lasses! Other than that, this was a shite book with shite performances! You must be pulling my leg. Was we even listening to the same book? That was awesome. I felt like it really could have happened. Are you daft, lad? I didn't care how attached to social media those millennial idiots were. That would never have happened. Jeffrey, back me up on this, partner. I've got to agree with Tom here. People are barely contained animals. Our nature is to dominate and control. I run drills for this kind of thing all the time. Is that where all the budget money is going? To your security drills? Is that why I ain't got none of my canteen requests yet? 
Stay on topic, gentlemen. Yeah, stay on topic. I too think the man with the funny accent is wrong. I truly believe in the lack of humanity and people. Killing is easy with the right motivation, and the weaker always follows strong leadership, like mob bosses. You take them out if they are no longer the strongest lion. Manchek, you're not siding with those loonies, are you? Smee, Jay, Sir Hector, surely one of ye must have a lick of sense. What about me? <laughs> I've already got enough crazy on my hands. I didn't need more of it. Well, for the record, I do not believe that people would be so stupid as to descend into brutal violence <laughs> so quickly. I didn't feel their motivation. <laughs> motivation? How about a lack of food? There was not a lack of food. They said that many times in the interviews. You're right, of course. Sir Hector, I bow to the wisdom of the largest log in the flume. Um, okay. Based on my training and expertise, I can tell you that the tribes are very plausible. Listen to him. He knows his stuff. I find his zombie defense training very valuable. Zombies? Not this shite again. There ain't such thing as zombies. And how much of the budget did he steal for this training? Investing in your future survival has no price. Lord, preserve us from these paranoid hurts! Gentlemen, please, let's stick to the subject at hand. Save the arguments about the undead for after the episode. Bravo, Sir Hector. Just what this discussion needs. Firm leadership from the strongest bull in the herd. Uh, right. Now, where were we? We were discussing the validity of the premise. I think it's fair to say it's plausible, and since I try to suspend disbelief in my fiction, I was okay with it. So, you're on board with these zombie fanboys too? Looks like it's just the two of us. <laughs> Not that anyone cares what I think. I myself am on the fence here. On the one hand, it was entertaining, but on the other hand, I found the premise to be rather far-fetched. If I may comment on this, my fabulous Ferris wheel of leadership, I think what Jay said has bearing. If you suspend disbelief and forgo your preconceptions of what depravity people will seek to, this is a very good story. I think it's entirely plausible that young ladies would join together to protect themselves like the shop girls did against the pirates. Yes, the author, what was his name again? Mike Brockoven. Oui, I think he wrote a very compelling tale. I feel like he gave us a very nice variety of perspectives to really flesh out the narrative. I quite like the idea of camouflage and the misdirection used to protect the freaks. I would like to say merci to our, um, our, um, Mike Brockoven? Oui, him. I would like to say merci to Monsieur Bakeoven. Brockoven, not bake oven. Ah, excusez-moi. Perhaps you could write this down before we start the show. No? Very well. Is there anything else anyone would like to say before we move on to the rating of this audiobook? I felt like they could have cranked up the violence and gore a bit personally. You're a sack, Poppy. I thought I wasn't there gross enough for you. Anyone else? No? All right. Tom, what would you give this narration duo in this audiobook out of ten? And what would you give the author out of ten? 
Well, Sir Hector, I'd give the narrators a combined total of eight out of ten on narration. They did a bang-up job at performing the characters, and they made me believe them. And they was helped by a rip-roaring story, so I give the author a big ten out of ten. All right, writing that down. Bob, get your pencil ready. This is going to be quick. I thought the narration wasn't a total rubbish, and I'm willing to give them each a 2.5 for a total of 5 out of 10. Of course, they had to do what they could with this outlandish story, which I gave a total of 2 out of 10, and I couldn't believe I wasted 10 hours of my life on this crap. Positive as always, Bob. Thank you. Jeffrey? Good thing Bob is only one voice among us, because he's totally wrong. This was a great story, and it was served super well by the narrators. I give them an 8 out of 10 for narration, and I was going to give an 8 out of 10 for story too, but because Bob is such a stick in the mud, I'm going to give him a 9 out of 10. Thank you, Menchik. I am with Jeffrey about narration. These two did a very good job on keeping me entertained. Eight out of ten is fair. I think story made this possible. It gave excellent characters to work with and a wonderfully interesting story to tell. I give this story a ten out of ten. Got that? And you, Hieronimo. Me? You actually care what I think? <laughs> Not really, but for the purposes of the show. Typical. Well, I thought it was a decent narration. And they kept this lifeless story alive with their hard work. I give the narrators a 7 out of 10. As for the unbelievable plot they carried for 10 hours, I give it a 4 out of 10. Noted. Jay? I felt that this was a good audiobook all around. Good story with great narration. Totally worth the credit I spent on it. Must you always bring that up? I'll try to stop freeloaders anytime. Anyway, I give them an overall 9 out of 10. Of course. You have to be difficult, don't you? Smee? Oh, no, Sir Hector. You, being the shiniest bumper in the park, should go first. Uh, um, very well. I thought the narrators were pretty good, although they lost me a few times when their inflections weren't always differentiated enough. I give them a 6 out of 10 for narration. The story, however, was quite interesting, and as others have said before me, it kept me entertained. I give the author an 8 out of 10. How could anyone argue with such a pillar of wisdom? I will, of course, give the same scores as the brilliant Sir Hector. Right. I must say that these compliments, while flattering, are making me slightly uncomfortable. Uh, Pierre... I think you may have an overzealous admirer here, Sir Hector. If his stool were moved any closer to you, he would be on your lap. I believe the narration was par excellence, and I give them an 8 out of 10. The story also was very interesting, très amusant, and for that, I give him a 7 out of 10. Thank you, Pierre. So with that, I will now add the scores together for our average rating. Ah, it looks like we have a 7.2 out of 10 for narration and a 7.4 out of 10 for story. Overall, we enjoyed this audiobook. It is presented in a unique way, and as long as you can suspend your disbelief, you'll find it very enjoyable. We will certainly add Mike Brockoven's other works to our wish list, as well as the existing and future projects done by the narrators, Luke Daniels and Angela Dorr. We hope you've enjoyed this first episode of Masterpiece Audio Theatre. From all of us here at Masterpiece Audio Theatre, we wish you a good evening and a good night. 
have been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of Masterpiece Audio Theater. This special edition is for the Dark Days of Advent. This episode was written by J.G. Lenjax and Gary Buzzard. Sound clips are from GarageBand, and they can be found in their samples library. We can be found at nimlast.org, or you can email us at j at jglinejams.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0, unported license. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.